Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, guys? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to have you joining me on today's show. Uh, I do thank you. I appreciate your attention, and I hope you're having a fantastic day, fantastic week so far and that you've been enjoying the content that I've been putting out lately on the podcast. If you haven't heard any other episodes or you're just new to the Fitness and Lifestyle podcast, make sure you go back and check out some of the past shows. There's plenty in there for absolutely everybody, and today is no exception. We are joined by Dr. Mike Isretel. Now, Mike has his PhD in sports physiology. He's the chief sports scientist and co-founder of Renaissance Periodization. He's a former professor of exercise and sports science, and just genuinely a great guy. I went back um, and had a look at some of my notes before today's show. A couple of years ago, I went and saw Mike speak at an event um, here in Melbourne run by the boys from JPS Health and Fitness who have also been on the show. And he's just a very knowledgeable guy. He's great to listen to. He has a lot to offer and he really does just want to help people. And um, I'm really pumped to be chatting with him today. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I do. Um, and as always, if you do take some value from the show, please do take a screenshot of the episode, post it up on your Instagram story for me, tag myself, tag Mike, I'll have all the, the links to his social media and his website so you can go and uh, go and check out some more content of his in the show notes today. But thanks so much and I hope you enjoy the episode. Mike, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, mate. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on, mate. As I've said in the intro, um, you know, I came and saw you speak a few years back and you're obviously highly respected in the fitness industry and um, extremely knowledgeable. And I found it uh, I found it really easy to take away content from when you were talking and um, just easy to relate to. So I know the audience is going to get a lot out of today's episode, mate. And I guess the theme or the topic that I want to uh, touch on today, and I know you could probably talk about this for, for hours um, just on, on one, one of these questions that I've got for you today, but I want to talk about hypertrophy for intermediate lifters. I think a lot of my, uh, my audience uh, have been training for, for some period of time and you know, we've got a pretty wide range in our audience here, whether it's um, you know, those that are right into their training and lifting weights for, for strength training and hypertrophy or whether it's just people that want to lift for overall health and wellness but as i said the topic that i want to touch on today is hypertrophy for intermediate lifters so um we'll get stuck into it mate and i put up on my instagram last night a couple of um my instagram story sorry to get people to ask a few questions that they're they're interested in or things that they may be struggling with so these are just some of those and um, a few questions that i'll put together as well so we all good to go on your end 100 percent. let me have it Mate, how many times, in your opinion, do you think you should be targeting each muscle group per week for, for optimal hypertrophy? Yeah, great question. The good thing is, is there's actually a lot of direct scientific literature on this, mm. uh, asking this exact question. A lot of times in, in the evidence-based practice, we have to rely on uh, indirect inference from literature that's not exactly on target, but this has been studied very, very well. And it seems like we can come to a few conclusions that are tentative and nuanced, but nonetheless are, are pretty decent and they're pretty simple. So here's the deal. If you train a muscle group once per week, you can get good growth, but it's unlikely that you're going to get your best growth. That's just, uh, you know, in, in almost every study and certainly in all the literature reviews where they combine 
the effects of multiple studies. Like if you said, hey, like I'm really struggling to grow my pecs and I asked you, okay, how many times a week do you train your pecs? And you said once, I would instantly not really ask a whole lot about what exercises you're doing, how hard mm. you're training. I would be like, ooh, yeah, you know, at least two. Now, once we've trained at least twice a week for the same muscle group, we're in the beginning of this plateau effect where anything two, three, four, et cetera, are only sort of marginal gains. And to complicate that, a lot of times, if you go three and especially four, five, and six times per week per muscle, you get into this other problem of sustainability. It has been shown pretty reliably that if you train a muscle more often, spreading out the volume and then letting the volume rise, it probably still gives you some small percentage points of extra benefit in the short term. So what I mean is this, if someone asked me, hey, okay, I need to grow my pecs as big as possible in the next two months. I'm currently training them twice a week. Should I go to three times a week? I would have to say, yeah, that's almost certainly going to get your pecs bigger mm. by a little bit. But the problem is, and three times a week is pretty sustainable for most people, not all. Four times a week is a little less sustainable. At that point, your muscles are growing excellently, but heavily loading your joints and connective tissues four times a week for the same muscle group, gee, you know, that is likely to start fatiguing joint and connective tissue structures. And they do two things. One, they summate more fatigue than all the other parts of the body and systems. It also takes them a long time to reduce that fatigue. Like if your joints and connective tissues are beat up, it's not like two or three extra days off solves the problem, right? It's a few weeks, yeah. maybe sometimes months if you over-aggravate things of like suboptimal or intentionally easy training. So what you want to do is at the end of the day, you want to train probably on average between two and four times per week for the same muscle group, like chest two to four times a week, quads two to four times a week, so on and so forth. Within that though, you probably want to find the most sustainable one that works really well for you, do it most of the time, and then occasionally move up to the less sustainable frequencies for a purposeful amount of time, something like in a prioritization phase. So if you're usually training your biceps twice a week, you say, okay, I need bigger arms, damn it, for the next two months, just temporarily, I'm going to try to hit my arms more. So you would do a couple of things. One is make sure you train your biceps earlier in the workouts rather than later, right? Train them more fresh. Yep. And then another one would be like maybe bump to three times a week for biceps. And then all of a sudden you get great bicep growth towards the end of that two months. You know, your elbows kind of aren't feeling the best. Your bicep tends kind of feeling a little weird. Then you go back to two times a week. Everything heals. You're still making good gains, but you made these great gains temporarily that can be extended all the way up to six times a week training. And the last way I'll answer this question is this. If you're currently training one time a week muscle group, for sure just move up to two, split yep. the volume in half, and then go from there. But if you're training something two to four times per week, and you want to experiment with four, five, six times a week sessions, never, or never jump more than one additional frequency component per mesocycle, per month of training. So if like for the past whatever, you've been doing biceps three times a week and you want to try real high frequency biceps, do not go to six in yeah. the next week. <laughs> Don't do that. Go to four and then do that for a few months, back off, see how it went. 
And then the next time you drink and try, so I've done four before, maybe you're back to three, then you can do three for a month, then you can do four for a month, mm. and then you can end one month with five. And then sort of just dip your toe in that pool, see how it goes. And if it goes really well, next time you could do four, five, six or something like that. So yep. you never want to shock the system. Uh, training is not about shocking. It's about kind of inundating it with just enough stimulus so it can grow and get pretty fatigued and then backing away and doing a little bit more of those slow entries to reduce the chance of injury. And you don't ever want to train more than you need to. Like, can you imagine you're training quads out here six days a week and your training partner's just doing three. You both started at two. He's getting the best gains ever and you're getting the same gains, but training double. And you're like, what the hell did I ever do six for? Yeah. Right? Like it's one of those, it's an easy, easy analogy here is uh, if you're at an all you can eat sushi place, and you're pretty full, don't order 50 pieces. Like you're already pretty full. You're not full full, you definitely wanna eat more. Order another five or 10. And then if you want, you can always order more. Same thing with frequency, try a little bit more, see how it works, you can always add. Love that. And now there's two, there's two extra questions that I've kind of taken out of this and one of these is kind of open-ended, but for those that are listening that, that um, you know, say are following the quote unquote bro split at the moment, training everything once a week. And then they hear you say, I want, you know, you should be doing anywhere between two to four times per week. Could you give the listener an idea of how that volume should be broken up? Because, you know, even when I tell people sometimes, you know, you're doing legs once a week and you're wondering why you're not getting any gains and let's go to twice a week. And then in their mind, they think that they, they need to do that exact same session twice a week. So they're just doing an absurd amount of volume in both sessions, which is not sustainable for most people. So if you're going from once a week to twice a week, what's that look like over those two sessions? Are you doing basically the same amount of volume in each or are you breaking it up and, and just a slight increase in overall volume or how does that look? Right. That's a really good question. So the first thing I have to say is um, the literature on how much volume per session no matter how many sessions you have per week yep. grows the most muscle is actually pretty decent nowadays. Probably best summarized by uh, James Krieger, who's a super expert in the field. Yeah, he's awesome. his, his website, the way Weightology review. Incredible. I would sign up for that for sure. I mean, I am literally a paying member. Um, I could have it for free because we're friends, but I pay the man because I think he's so valuable, LOL. But on a serious note, what he says uh, and he's not just saying this, he's reviewing a ton of literature and actually adds all the new studies that come out every month into this essentially meta-analysis. What he says is the following, that on average, the best gains we see per, per session for uh, the average of all muscle groups is eight working sets to pretty close to failure or to failure. So like, if you had to ask, what is the most amount of work optimal amount of work I can do to get my biceps to grow today. It doesn't matter when I train them again. The answer is like right around eight. Now that eight is an average of probably 12 to 16 weeks of training. So there's a sustainability component there. You can do more than eight uh, per session, probably if you deload more often so on and so forth. But what you can conclude pretty reliably is that up to about 12 sets per session per muscle is probably fine in some contexts and maybe even optimal in some. Yep. But much more than that starts to just really be unlikely. And there's um, a lot of other literature through direct experimental studies to suggest that after a certain volume in one session, the amount of damage you impose starts to become so high that your body's recovery slash adaptive resources are driven more towards recovery and less towards adaptation, adaptation. right? You, people yeah. say like the, 
the body needs to be challenged to grow. Well, that doesn't mean you stand in front of a car and get hit. Like that's way too much damage. And thus everything you're going to be doing is to recover and almost no adaptation. That's not how you get jacked, right? You want to play that fine line between stimulating enough to cause as much adaptation as possible, which always comes with some damage, uh, but not so much that you're basically just healing the damage and, and, and getting almost no adaptation whatsoever. So the people that do the bro split a lot of times are committing that mistake where they'll do quads once a week and they'll do 20 sets of quads. There's a two part problem. If they add another session, part one problem is holy crap. You don't want to do 40 sets of quads a week. Just like very few people can recover from that. Mm. So no to say, so there's the suspicions when they say, dude, really, I'm just going to add another, there's no way I can recover. You're like, no, no, you're totally right. You can't. But problem two, the more fundamental problem, is they've always been overdoing it per session with their mm. quads. Yep. So what you can tell them is, look, start around, oh, you know, four or six working sets per session and try two or three sessions a week. And they'll say, well, that's nothing. And be like, yeah, but it happens pretty frequently, so you have to recover fast. Like yes. basically if they say like, yeah, my legs felt kind of weak the day after, but then two days later they felt fine. You're like, perfect you have to go to the gym anyway and train legs again. They're like, oh yeah, that's right. Because people expect their legs to get super messed up because they have a whole week, but that's not the case anymore, right? They'd every, two, every two or three days, they have to go back and hit legs. So all of a sudden, four to six sets at a time doesn't seem like a crazy amount. And you know, if let's say it's, let's say just take the six, for example, that's 18 total sets a week. That's what they were doing anyway when they were doing 20 sets a week, one time a week. And now there's almost High no quality excessive now. damage. It's way, so there's actually two benefits. One, it's higher quality because they're fresh. Like, you know, the last six sets of a quad workout with just 20 sets in it, bro, I don't even know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. Your quads don't know what you're doing. It's junk volume, right? In some Mm. capacity. Now it's all high quality sets. You literally get to use more weight, imposing more tension on the muscle. You're more fresh. Your nervous system is not a limiting factor anymore. And in addition to that, you're not creating a ton of excess damage. So you're just getting better results. And someone could say, oh my God, like my legs are going faster doing 15 sets a week, three times a week, five sets each than they ever were doing 20 sets. And that's exactly the beautiful thing about increasing frequency. Yeah, I love that. Now, in terms of that, um, you mentioned before, like the eight working sets. Now, let's say, for example, we're we're doing an upper body push session and obviously we're doing some form of of horizontal press or whatever and we're we're trying to target our chest, but obviously the secondary muscle there is the triceps. So do those sets count towards our working sets for triceps? Well, that's another potentially complicated discussion. Yeah. So the reality (laughs) is, go ahead. I was just going to say, if it's, if it's going to go too far down the rabbit hole, then we, uh, we don't need to touch on it right no, now because no, no, no. I know it is we a pretty can, loaded we, question. For sure. No, no. We can touch on it super quick. It really is just a decision you have to make of how you want to count it. If you want to count indirect sets, do it and then do it for everything and keep doing it. Right? So if you say, okay, I have 22 sets of triceps per week, 16 of those are direct, six of those are indirect from other pressing, fine. And then you maybe count those sets like half. So like when I bench press, it's not a full set for triceps every set that I do a bench. There's no way it's that much stimulus or fatigue. So maybe I count half, just simplified, right? Keep consistent and do it like that. Or you can say, look, every week I train chest anyway and I do about the same amount of pressing. And every week I train triceps anyway and do about the same amount of triceps. So I'm only going to count direct work 
and everything is going to fall in where it, where it might. So someone could say like, oh, I noticed like people will comment on my programs and say like, I noticed that you're doing only, you know, uh, let's say 10 sets of direct or of tricep work per week. I thought in your volume landmarks thing, you said it was more than that. Well, yeah, but I also do a crap load of pressing and close core pressing and all this other stuff yeah. that adds in along the way. I just, I counted a little bit differently by only counting direct work. It's really up to the individual. It has to be consistency. The last thing I'll say is you can't count direct work one week and indirect work the next week. Then your numbers are nonsense. They don't mean anything. And then you just have no idea how much volume you're doing. Yeah, it's just got to be consistent. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 100%. Now, in terms of rep ranges, now, I think for most trainers, for most coaches, this is a question that they would get so, so often, whether it's, you know, strength or whether it's hypertrophy or whatever the, the question is. But when we talk about working sets, what rep ranges should we be working in for optimal hypertrophy? And I know this can chop and change and it may vary through sessions and weeks and even days throughout the week. But what is kind of that sweet spot? That, that we should be looking at? Because I know we say working sets, but that could mean, you know, working sets of 20 reps could mean working sets of right. five reps. Like what are we looking at there? Right. It's exactly 11 and a half reps. I'm just kidding. That would be <laughs> sweet though, right? So you're like, what do you mean half? I have to drop the squat? Yep, just go down and then get out of the squat. So, uh, so here's the deal. There are roughly three repetition ranges in hypertrophy that are effective. The five to 10 rep range, the 10 to 20 and the 20 to 30. In the short term, they all cause about the same amount of muscle growth. In the long term, the 5 to 10 range and the 10 to 20 range probably beat the 20 to 30 range a little bit because the 20 to 30 range causes some fiber conversion to slower twitch fibers and all this other stuff. It's just not super dependable for long-term hypertrophy. But in short bouts, it can be used very effectively. The thing is, because this is talk is about hypertrophy for intermediates, what we, we, we can talk about where you've come from as a beginner should have come from and where you're going as an advanced individual. Beginners have this thing where not only do they have to grow muscle, but they have to really learn and perfect the technique of training. And technique is really, really hard to train if you're doing more than 10 reps because fatigue takes over, boredom takes over, lack of focus takes over, and fatigue and, and all those things start to break technique down. Uh, and beginners also just aren't very strong relative to their joint structures. So if they're training, you know, sets of five to 10, maybe for you and me, that'd be, that's like heavy training, right? Like yeah. bench and overhead press and pull-ups for five to 10, like, ouch, right? Yeah. But for beginners, it's really not a big deal. So beginners, because of that constraint on technical training and because they don't really take a huge beating from the connective tissue side, most of their training should be sets of five to 10. When they transition to be intermediates, after, you know, it depends on how you define these terms, if you've got an average or two or three years of consistent training in, they should start exploring a little bit in the 10 to 20 rep range, especially for exercises that seem to have a really good stimulus to fatigue ratio in that range. So for example, if you do squats for sets of 15s, you may get a lot of fatigue, you might get super out of breath, but your quads might not even be the limiting factor because your lower back gave out first. So the stimulus yeah. to fatigue ratio for quads, maybe not incredible. You know, deadlifts. Who the hell does deadlifts for sets of 15? That's just <laughs> stupid, right? Nuts. You keep those at sets of five to 10. 
But on some machine work, even on some barbell work, sets of 10 to 20 are just better. You get a better pump. They're easier on the joints. So all is well. So as you become an intermediate and as you continue to be an intermediate, you can thread in more and more and more of sets of 10 to 20 reps. So now uh, towards the end of your intermediate uh, times, you're sort of doing at least a 50-50 split of sets of 5 to 10 and sets of 10 to 20. And then as you start to transition to late intermediate, early advanced, you start to incorporate some sets of 20 to 30. Now that your technique is excellent, now that your mind-muscle connection is really good, and now that you're so big and strong that your joints and connective tissues really need to be taken care of, and you simply can't hammer away with sets of 5 to 10 and 10 to 20 all the time, then you start to thread in a little bit more of that 20 to 30. In the end, an advanced individual should probably be doing most of their work in the 10 to 20 range, and then a little bit of work in the 20 to 30, and a little bit of work in a 5 to 10. For the intermediate, on average, it looks a little bit like a 50-50 split between sets of 5 to 10 and sets of 10 to 20. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for that, Mike. Now, just before I, before I move on to a, another question here, just uh, moving back a step when we talked about the um, bringing up the lagging muscle group and potentially increasing the frequency up to, you know, maybe four, five, six times per week. When we look at uh, working sets per muscle groups, say which we are trying to bring up the biceps and we're, we're targeting them four to five times per week. How many sets are you looking at per session when your frequency is that high? Are you keeping it really low as in two to three sets per, per uh, time that you, that you train the biceps or what, what are we looking at there? Or are we Super, bringing the sets actually, up extremely high? That's actually a really easy question to answer. You do 80 sets per workout times six. Times six. Sweet. I'll you write that grow. down. If you, yeah, if your biceps stay attached, you'll be huge. Huge. <laughs> um, so here's the deal. As your frequency goes up and it's your first shot at a new high frequency, let's say you're used to three times a week, now you're trying four. Bring at first your per session volumes for the muscle down to lower than it's been. So for example, let's say you were training biceps three times a week. You would start each mesocycle roughly at six sets per session for biceps. Yep. When you go to four times a week, maybe start at four or five, right? Cause you know, you think it back in your head, you're like, okay, I got to recover from more of this stuff. Like it's definitely going to be a serious thing. It's a serious burden. So I'm just going to give myself some breathing room. And that piece of advice to give yourself breathing room at the beginning applies to, I would say everything in life. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like sure. give yourself some breathing. Don't just be like, all right, here we go. Week one, baby, nuclear bomb. Like don't do that. You can always nuke yourself later if, if it comes down to it, if that's the requirement. <laughs> so lower number of sets, but then here's the big trick. As you go week to week to week in your plan, don't be afraid to increase or decrease the number of sets you do per session based on how you're recovering. So mm. for example, if you train your biceps on one day, and let's say Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you train your biceps. If you started at four or five sets on Monday and you come in Wednesday and your biceps are like sore as crap, and a little bit weaker that just haven't recovered, maybe next Monday, try three or four sets, right? Because it's yeah. like, it was just too much because you're trying to have high quality workouts, right? Um, and then let's say it's the other way around. Let's say you Monday did four or five sets. Wednesday, you don't feel a thing. You're completely recovered. You didn't even got sore. And you're like, 
I can probably do more and still be recovered. Like it wasn't just not, and the workout itself, when you did it four or five sets, like you barely even got a pump. You're like, man, this is a good warm up, yeah. but like, I want to do, I need to do more to get a good stimulus. Then absolutely next week, just raise it by a set, go to five or six sets and see how that works. And eventually as you raise your sets, you're going to get to some point where you're like, wow, okay, I'm having trouble recovering. You don't want to get to that point. You want to get to that sweet middle ground of you hit your biceps. The workout itself was great. You got a good burn. You got a good pump, felt tension in the muscle. Afterwards, your biceps felt a little weaker. And then you recovered on time for your next workout. You got maybe a little bit sore, no soreness in the next workout and your muscles, your biceps are back to normal strength or better. You had another high quality workout and the same thing happens. So you want to pull it. You want to get basically titrate in calibrate to a volume that gets you from every workout to the next and next and next with this awesome combination of great workouts and at least just barely recovering for the next one. Any, if you're not recovered, it's too much. If you're like way, way, like this was way too easy and recovery is not even a question, then you could probably do more and still benefit. And, and that means that you probably start every mesocycle of training or month of training on the low end of things and automatically just float up to the slightly higher end You'll accumulate too much fatigue. Your performance will start to go down the drain and then you deload, reduce the fatigue and you start back up a little bit on the low side and work your way. I don't even want to say work your way back up again. That's just going to happen naturally because every week that you train, your biceps recover a little bit faster. They get used to the movement a little bit better. Your efficiency improves. And then many times, but not always, that calls for an increase in sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Awesome, man. I appreciate that a lot. You bet. Now you're you're over in Las Vegas, is that am I right? Yes. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the lockdown? Are you guys like the corona whole coronavirus thing over there? What's the situation at the moment? So, the situation is that most of Vegas is open, even the casinos. Mm. There is a mask mandate in public places, so yep. like on the Strip, which I've been to twice and will probably never go to again for months. Um, there's, you have to wear masks outdoors and you have to wear masks in every casino. Everyone's socially distanced. Yeah. The gyms are open, okay. uh, but in almost every gym, you have to wear a mask when you're walking around and they prefer that you wear the mask between your sets during your sets. You don't have to wear a mask. I usually wear my mask anyway. Okay. Um, you know, cause I just don't want to be a piece of shit that gets other people sick, but <laughs> usually people don't stand within six feet in front of me when I have my mask off between sets, if I'm really gasping for air. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and, that, and that's the thing. And to be honest, like, and this sounds super callous, like if you're very concerned about getting sick and you walk within purposefully within feet, six feet of someone when you don't have to, mm. and you're at the public gym, like, you know, if I breathe on you by accident, good God, like, yeah, I feel bad about it, but you're you asking know, for it. Maybe, yeah, not, you're definitely not, <laughs> not going to say that you're not asking for it, but like it, you know, I would, I, it's, it's, everything works out really well. Uh, or most things work out well when people grade their own behavior based on their own tolerances for caution. You know, um, if you don't want to put yourself at risk, I'm not going to bars. There's, there's, uh, some, some like places in Vegas where it's like the casinos and stuff, they're open. I'm not going to casinos because it's just a needless level of risk for me. So, so that's what Vegas looks like, but the gyms are open. It's just the mask thing. Well, I'm sure you guys probably went through this similar situation. So back here in, in, uh, in Melbourne, in, in Victoria, anyway, we're, we're in stage four at the moment, stage four lockdown. So we're, you know, supposedly not meant to exercise outside longer than an hour a day. 
Um, we have curfews. We're not allowed to be outside of our house between 8 p.m. and 5 a.m. Uh, all the gyms are shut. All the restaurants are shut. Literally, like, pretty much everything is shut. There's fuck all going on at the moment, to be honest. Right. Um, so a, a common question that I've, I've had throughout this whole restrictions process, and I'm sure you've been the same, is how do we look at overloading a muscle when we have minimal equipment? And is it something that we should put on you know, put on the back burner for a while and focus on maintenance and focus on, you know, just staying active and, and maybe changing up our training stimulus or should those that are in a gaining phase at the moment still be able to make progress, even if they have pretty much fuck all equipment available. If you have fuck all, it's tough. Yeah. If you have a set of dumbbells and maybe a barbell or two, even if you just have a set of dumbbells. So we have some templates and some of them are free on renaissanceperiodization.com. I'll have uh, I'll, I'll just just decide now. I'll have all the links to your um to your website and, and socials and stuff in the show notes. Awesome, thank you so much. Yeah, so we actually have templates for dumbbell workouts at home, and they're brutal, brutal, brutal. So you can make gains if you're a beginner and intermediate for sure. If you're very advanced, it's tough. It's doable. Um, my uh, training partner Charlie and I we got a lat pull down machine and one barbell set up and we had a pair of dumbbells uh, when the quarantine started back a few months ago. Yep. Uh, and we successfully trained. It was really annoying. I got a nagging adductor injury from it because my variation was so low. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. But I just, yeah, sure. So it's, it's definitely not ideal. If you are in the position where you can just do maintenance training and you're okay with that, that would be highly recommended. Um, and then once gyms open back up, the real premium is on easing in because a lot of people are going to get pumped. They're going to get excited. They're going to smash their muscle groups and they're going to pay for it because yeah, that's a really, good point. If, really easy way to get injured. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I think that's, you know, we came out of lockdown for a little bit there and you saw everyone just go nuts and you know, you've got people that are probably, to be honest, not even sticking to maintenance throughout the first lockdown. They've just kind of gone with the whole fuck it mentality and, and done next to nothing. And then all of a sudden they're going back in trying to lift yep. this, the same weight again. So um, oh, yeah. I guess probably one of the, one of the last questions that I've got, and you just touched on it then, but um, how, how does that look for you in terms of, you know, if you've got someone who has had very minimal equipment available to them, the gyms have reopened and they want to get back to their normal training routine, training structure. How long would you give someone to get back into that normal training split and work their way back up to what they were probably lifting previously? Yeah. Okay. This is actually a super easy answer because it's all auto-regulated based on your body's responses. Yeah. Come in to the gym, do a few basic compound movements for a few sets in like the 20 to 30 rep range. Okay, because the chance of injury is incredibly low. As soon as you get a pump, leave. And the thing is, if you haven't trained in a while or trained hard or trained with the right equipment, you're going to get a pump in one or two sets. You yep. know, like if you haven't squatted in three months, first set of squats, you're going to be like, oh my God, what the hell is happening? Here's the trick do not do any more. Rest, recover, and very shortly, you're going to be recovered enough that you are no longer sore because you're going to get mondo sore. The trick is not to get ultra super duper crazy sore because that predicts injury. So train a little bit, get a little pump. Ooh, because you know, a lot of people will say there's just really crazy psychological thing where they, they go, oh man, I'm out of shape. They'll say that to them in, in the middle of a workout that which they just came back to. And then they'll be like, 
I got to keep going. Like the only way I'm going to get back to where I was is pushing hard. Like I'm out of shape. So I'm going to train, like at least meet myself halfway between what I used to do and what I can do now. Don't do that. Just yeah. do what you can do now. And then after two or three days of being pretty sore, you're going to be healed. Come into the gym and repeat like literally the same workout. Don't add anything. Don't do anything crazy. Then you'll realize that you either don't get sore or more likely you're going to get a little bit sore and heal faster. And then come in again and do pretty much the same workout, maybe adding a little bit of weight on the bar, maybe adding one or two working sets or something like that. At the end of like a two or three week intro period like that, you'll be training like four or five days a week, all the muscle groups trained every single, every single session. And you're basically going to not feel a thing. You're going to have regained a ton of muscle mass, your cardiovascular fitness, which is important to lifting with like, you know, moderate reps because you'd be so out of shape. Sometimes that's the limiting factor. That's going to be up a ton. You're going to see visual changes in the mirror. And then slowly, what you can do is start to increase the load. This and, and increase the sets so that you're getting great pumps, great stimulus, healing on time for soreness, all that stuff I just talked about on the frequency stuff. And slowly but surely, you're increasing the load just to make sure you're within that zero to three from fail range. Because at some point, you're like lifting a really light load, you're gonna be like, I did this for 25 reps. Week one, I could have only gotten it for 27 reps, but week three, like I could get it for 45 if I want. So definitely don't want to train that inefficiently, raise the load a little bit. And then, you know, in month two, you're basically going to be training with pretty high reps, but the loads are going to be pretty challenging now. And your training looks a lot more normal, except for the fact that you're now training with slightly higher reps than normal. And then slowly over the period of the next several months, plural, you start to dip into the lower rep ranges. So leave the 20 to 30 rep range, dip in to the five, uh, to the, you know, 10 to 20 rep range a little bit. And then next month into the five to 10, which you definitely don't want to do is come in the first week or even the first month and start doing sets of five to 10 of stuff hard and heavy. You can do five to 10 very, very submaximally, but even, even that's kind of a lot of weight. You gotta ease in, ease in, ease in, ease in. And then you're going to find that not only are you back in great cardio shape, not only have you burned a ton of fat training with the higher reps, there's just more volume. You are going to be in a really good position. Uh, your technique is going to be back. Everything's going to be feeling super great. And now all of a sudden after three or four months, you're training the same rep ranges and people say like, when do I start, you know, training, get back to normal. By then you'll have regained almost all the muscle and or all the muscle and all the strength you've ever had. And then it's just automatically normal training because not only are you as strong as you ever were, but you're recovering at the same rate, so on and so forth. So there's no need to modify anything anymore. Unreal. Mike. I, uh, I really do appreciate your time today, man. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. And I mean, we've really only touched on well, not much at all in terms of what we could potentially talk about. So I'd love to, to get you back on at some point um, in the near future, mate. We can touch on, on some more topics because I know the audience will have grabbed a lot of value from today's show. So thanks, thanks again for your time, man. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to being on uh, at a later point. 100%. Guys, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. If you have taken some value, which I'm sure you have, I'd love for you to take a screenshot of this episode right now and post it up on your Instagram story for me. Tag myself, tag Mike. I'll have all the links to his social media and his website and everything in the show notes today. So be sure to go and check out his content. There is so much there for you to get some value from. Um, so Mike, thanks again. And everybody else, thank you for listening. And I look forward to chatting to you again in next week's episode.